Live. This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Second show of the week, a triple header on the Just End the Suffering Podcast. We did our World Series preview podcast with Anthony Sorbellini on Monday. Wednesday night here, we are getting ready to do the week number eight NFL picks. I'm going to be joined by a good friend of mine. I've not heard from him on the podcast in a while. Anthony Cowley is back on the horn. We talk about the Jets, that disastrous loss they have in Foxborough. And now the fact they're staring at playing the Bengals without Zach Wilson. We'll talk about that in just a bit. We're also going to be joined at the end of the podcast by Martino Pucci. We're going to talk Curb Your Enthusiasm, the season premiere. Came out on Sunday and vintage Curb. Excellent stuff. We'll break all down with Martino at the end of the podcast. But we'll get it all started with our opening tip. We're going to take a look at week eight in the NFL, as well as takeaways from the locals from week number seven here, right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, opening tip here, talking some NFLs. We get ready for week number eight on Halloween weekend, and the Jets on Sunday gave you probably one of the worst performances you have ever seen from a New York Jets team, going back to the days of Kotite. That's how bad it was. The score speaks for itself, 54-13, to 13, and it was ugly from the start. I mean, C.J. Mosley did not play. We see the Patriots come out right down the field, trick play, touchdown, 7 nothing. Then we say, okay, here comes the offense. We've heard all throughout the week about, okay, the Jets have been working hard. They've been doing some subtle fixes. They had a two weeks to call it a great game plan. Out of the gate, run, run, third and eight sack, punt. Next drive, right down the field. We gets a couple of screens, 14-0. Jets miss a field goal. Patriots keep piling on. The Jets cannot stop screens, just get lit up by Mac Jones throwing five yards down the field without teams making tackles. The story of this game, though, is the Zach Wilson injury. He gets hurt on arguably a dirty hit. Of course, the Jets don't get it cold because they never get any whistles anymore because they're bad. Zach Wilson has a sprained PCL. He's out two to four weeks. So that means he's not playing on Sunday against Cincinnati. He's going to be out for sure against the Colts in week, week 10 with a short week. Week 9 with a short week, excuse me. This could get very ugly very fast. And the thing that's frustrating here is, yes, not having the quarterback hurts. But at the same time, this should not be a roster that is getting blown out consistently. This is a team that should be getting better. You should not have these games anymore where you're non-competitive, not showing up, getting run off the field by an average football team. And New England's an average football team. New England has three wins this season. Two have come against the Jets and one has come against Houston. They barely hit the Texans. New England's not a good football team. And they outclassed the Jets considerably. This is a very discouraging performance because you do not want to see this game be uncompetitive blowouts. There should be past the point where you don't belong on the football field with teams. This is just 
utter abomination of an effort from the Jets. And this is very important down the stretch to see them make some progress here. And I know they trade for Joe Flacco, which is stupid because you're surrounding a draft pick for a free agent you could have signed in the offseason as a veteran quarterback. And you're one in six, just let Mike White play, please. What about this? What are you doing here? But anyway, this is basically enough of the Jets. It's just god awful. And as the great Mike Francesa once put it, they stink. They do stink. And they're going to lose this week. It doesn't matter how much they're going to lose. Let's go on to the Giants for a minute here. The Giants come back. They beat out the Panthers 25-3. to And for all the people out there who are saying, Sam Darnold is so great now that he's gone from the Jets. What's going on there? Gets himself benched in the fourth quarter of that game against the Giants because he is god-awful. It is not a Jet problem with Sam Darnold. It is also a Sam Darnold problem. The Giants took care of business here. They showed a little creativity on offense. Jason Garrett drove some good game plans. The Giants made some creative adjustments when they were down all their personnel. Darius Slayton had a good game. They had a good defensive performance. And you know what? Win's a win. Good job. But they're still way back in the division. They're still 2-5. and five. They go to Kansas City on Monday night. And we'll start there as we begin week number 8 here. I look ahead. Giants-Chiefs on Monday night is going to be fascinating. Because the Chiefs got embarrassed in week seven against Tennessee, lost 27-3. Patrick Holmes on more turnovers. He got hurt. He cleared the concussion protocol. That's going to be a very, very, very angry Kansas City team on Monday night. That's a game that if the Chiefs are who we think they are, and their defense is not that good, we know this, they're going to run the Giants off the field. The Giants are going to get themselves blown out of this game. If the Giants can keep this close, maybe I'll buy the fact that they think they can do something here. But they need to win this football game. If you want to have any hope of salvaging your season, remember Dallas is 5-1. and one, And they already beat the Giants once, so it's already a big enough lead in the division for them. Win this game if you want to have any chance for season. I don't think they will. We'll see. Jets-Bengals we'll get to later, but again, no Zach Wilson this game. Bengals coming off a massive win against the Ravens and now first place in the AFC as a whole. Not going to be pretty. Say that much. Other action of note in week eight, we have Packers traveling to Arizona on Thursday on a short week. What could be the best Thursday night game of the year? It's disappointing that Green Bay is having some COVID problems. Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard hit the COVID list this week. Both are unlikely to play in this matchup. The line I was raising that game from was, please start off at Arizona laying three and a half up to Arizona laying six. I think Aaron Rodgers will do his best to keep this game close. They're going to need a lot out of Aaron Jones here. It's disappointing because at full strength, the Packers can beat this team. Remains to be seen what kind of effort they will throw out there without their two top receivers. Sunday in the AFC North, we have Steelers-Browns. I think that's a big game in the division. Pittsburgh coming off the bye. Cleveland banged up still. Found a way to beat the Broncos on Thursday in Week 7. Broncos are frauds, by the way. We've already established this, but here we go. And this is a big game for both teams because... The AFC North, you have Pittsburgh and Baltimore at 5-2. and two. I mean, Cleveland, Cincinnati and Baltimore 5-2 at the top. Cleveland, Baker Mayfield is playing hurt. Didn't play last week. We'll see if he's available on Sunday. They're not going to have Kareem Hunt. They may have Nick Chubb. We'll see. Pittsburgh, if they want to have anything going here, they need to win this football game. They have to go on the road, beat the Browns. If they don't, they're going to be back spiraling down the wrong direction again. 
AFC South, you got an interesting matchup there as the Tennessee Titans were red hot. Since they lost to the Jets, they've managed to find a way to beat Buffalo and Kansas City in a row at home. Now they hit the road to take on the Colts, who are quietly warming up at 3-4. and four. As we said last week in the pick saying with Allen Austin, the Frank Wright Colts tend to start slow. They started 0-3 this year. They have won 3-4. of four. It should be 4-4 four of four because they lost a big fourth-quarter lead in Baltimore the Ravens on Monday night in Week 6. They hold that game, they're 4-3, and three, and this is a spot where the Colts have to win this game if they want to have any chance to win this division because Tennessee beat them in Week 3. I think the Colts can get, put a big effort up here. I think it'll be a fascinating game there. The late game on Sunday, that's interesting, the Buccaneers and the Saints. The Saints were a mess on Monday night in Seattle. Still found a way to win the game. They are the only real, quote-unquote, challenger to Tampa Bay in the NFC South. The game's at the Superdome. If they want to have a year, they need to win this football game. They have to find a way to beat the Buccaneers. And Tampa Bay, again, vulnerable defense. The Bears couldn't explain it last week. We'll see if the Saints with a little more firepower do it. I don't think Michael Thomas will be back this game, but they have some competent quarterbacking. And the Saints are very Jekyll high in terms of their ability, where sometimes they look like world beaters and other games they can't take the field and look like they can play against anybody. If the good Saints show up, this could be a fun game. We'll see with that. And Sunday night, I think, is an underrated matchup between the Cowboys and the Vikings. Cowboys barely survived New England in week eight prior to their bye in week six. The Vikings are three and three. They are the most cardiac, heart attack inducing team for their fans so far this season. They have played five one possession games. They've won at the gun twice. They have had some incredible luck there go against them and for them. Dalvin Cook back healthy. He's been playing through an ankle injury the last few weeks. And they are a dangerous home dog. And Dallas, coming off that bye, may a little fool themselves at the 5-1 start. That could be an upset spot here. Don't be shocked the Vikings make this a very interesting contest here. And with that, those are some stuff you can watch in the NFL this week. But we'll do our NFL picks up next with Anthony Calby right after this. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks are here for week number eight. Joining me today, somebody I've not had on the podcast since the end of 2018, Jet fan Anthony Calvi is here. Anthony, how are you? I'm very good, Mike. How you doing? Pretty good. I have to say, you seem much more chipper considering what we watched on Sunday than I thought you would be. Uh, it's a joke. So we're going to talk about a comedy sketch. That is the New York Jets. So, Yeah, let's start there. 54-13. I'm sure you have thoughts. Go. <sighs> What's the point? What is the point of watching this disastrous team? They're not. There's nothing there. And I hear a lot of Jets, like, I watch a lot of, like, Jets YouTube videos, or I watch a lot of, like, even the SNY at the end, and they talk about some of the players that the Jets have. We don't have anybody. Who do they have? Who on this team besides, like, Corey Davis, Quinn and Williams, Becton, and Marcus May? Who else is starting? And Jameson Crowder. Who else starting anywhere else? Anywhere. Anywhere in the league. They're completely devoid of talent. They're brutal. They are not competing. They haven't competed in three, three years, maybe a little longer. 
This team looks worse than the 96 Jets with Rich Cotite. They looked worse last year. I mean, it's just absolutely brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. There's nothing to get. You know the game's over within the first five minutes of turning it on. When they're, the Patriots are just absolutely tearing them apart on the run ground. I mean, on, on the, with the running game. Like, I'm, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing as a Jet fan. I wouldn't give them my money. They don't deserve my money. They don't deserve my ratings. They don't deserve me to go to a bar and watch them. They're a joke. Yeah, well, it's very well said because when you watch that game, the thing that's frustrating is obviously it's like the pitch not doing anything crazy. It beat them. It's screens. It's short passes. They're not making tackles. And then we heard all about, oh, the offense we adjusted during the bye week. And then it's run, run, sack, third down, three and out. Then Patriots 14. At that point, you knew the game was over. Paul Hackett offense. Yeah. 2000. Run, yep. run, pass. Except back then we had Curtis Martin. Yeah. Now we have a what? hodgepodge running back michael carter yeah like come on it's boring and who put and i'm sorry joe douglas got a pass for all this for all these years you don't get a pass anymore you took a rookie coach with a rookie offensive coordinator with a rookie quarterback with, with no veteran quarterback to teach and did they have their quarterback coach die in the offseason unfortunate yes but that means you don't go out and get a backup quarterback that's competent to teach him shame on them shame on all of them yeah i have to say also this is to the point where they did spend some money the offseason. they did get some players in here like you can make the argument this is not a game that you could realistically win along the road to new england but you should not be at the point where you're going 54 13 losing this game you should not be getting blown out by them and the broncos where two teams were awful i don't think and i i like uh what's his lawson right lawson would have been great for them but is he really gonna make up 40 was it like 40 plus points that they lost by no no they're just it's absolutely brutal yeah like you look at you say okay the first game they competed right they lost by five to carolina all right that game but the first half they looked as bad as they've looked in other games. It was just a court, really like a quarter, a quarter and a half at the end where the Carol, the Panthers were kind of playing prevent defense. And then what other game? I mean, the, ten, the Titans game, I don't know. The Titans probably had a stroke that game. I don't know how the hell the Titans didn't blow the doors off of us. They probably took them lightly, but I, I mean, the Jets don't have anything to go against anybody this year. Yeah, that's true. And now that gets worse because the rookie quarterback we wanted to develop this year, he's hurt now. He's missing two to four weeks. And they trade for Joe Flacco, which great later on, not to give up a draft pick for a guy that could have had in free agent market. And now it's gonna be brutal because if you want to watch the Jets, you're gonna watch Mike White this week and maybe Joe Flacco in week and week nine against the Colts. Like you have nothing to look forward to here. No, well, it reminded me of when Darnold got hurt a couple of years ago, and it was just embarrassing to watch. Yeah. Like what was his name? Fails. That was his name. Yeah, Luke Falk. And Falk. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God, it was abysmal, absolutely abysmal. I I remember I was I didn't, I didn't even watch that game. I was literally apple picking, and I checked <laughs> the score, and it was like twenty one nothing within like the first like I don't know two quarters or something. It was done. And it was over. They couldn't score a point. And it just reminds me of what it is now. And that's just poor management, not having a capable backup quarterback that you have to go and trade for one 
and have him learn. But it's a, it's like it was he on the Jets last year. Yeah, but it's a totally different offensive scheme. You know, it's a mess. And this week, I mean, you look at the schedule going into the year. Like, oh, they could beat Cincinnati. Now we see Cincinnati to do it. Now five and two go beat the Ravens in Baltimore. This game's gonna be a blowout. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! I mean, they lost by. 40 plus to the Patriots. What are they going to lose to the Bengals who just blew the doors off the Ravens? Yeah. Without their starting quarterback, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Without their, exactly. Without their starting quarterback, but also let's be real. Let's be real. Wilson. And I know they're bad, but he looks the intangibles for me right now look off is that the jets corrupting him probably but also stop throwing across your body yeah stop trying to make a miracle throw the ball away throw the ball away when you're running and when you're scrambling out of the pocket and you're flushed out because your lineman can't protect it could pan protect you throw the ball away when you're flushed out instead of throwing across your body did he make a couple spectacular throws against the titans yes and did everyone get excited about that? But guess what? It's two plays. Yeah. How many other plays could you look at and be like, what are you doing? It's definitely not good. I think they're gonna, we're going to move on here because we know this game's a loss. It's a matter of by how much. That's the, that's the key question here. So, I mean, this could be a, it just depends on how, when the Bengals stop playing. Yeah. Cause they could be 60 to nothing, but they're probably by the time they get up four or five scores, that's it. They're not going to play anymore. And that's probably going to happen by halftime. Yeah, this is not the Belichick scenario. They're going to, Belichick's going to keep running up the score as long as he can. As he hates the Jets. Like, I don't think the Bengals have any ill will towards the Jets. They'll probably run the ball out in the second half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's if it's even if it's seventeen nothing, the game's over. Well, yeah. what's the point? If it's twenty one nothing, twenty four nothing, the game's over. That's it. Yeah. See you later. All right, let's get to the reason why you're here this week. We are doing the week eight NFL picks. My good friend Alan Austin was here last week. He had a one and two week last week. He de- his one win came with the Colts getting the four points on Sunday against the Niners. He took the Falcons la- laying two and a half against the Dolphins in Miami. Lost that one late. And you'll love this one, Anthony. He took the he took our New York Jets as his third pick, getting the seven points in New England. Oh my God. Yeah, that's that's rough. That yeah. is, uh, I mean, <laughs> and you never take the Jets in New England. That's just like that's a cardinal rule. I mean, what was the last time they won? A beat New England. Yeah, I would say in New England, right? Regular season was Brett Favre. So that's 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, and they haven't beaten New England in like like ten straight games now, nine straight games, like. What the last time? The, yeah, the last time they beat New England was the overtime game in 2015 after David Christmas Eve. Eric Decker caught the touchdown in the end zone. That's the last one. I vividly remember that, and I vividly remember that's the last time I actually cared about a Jets season, <laughs> as opposed to rooting for them to lose at the end of the season so we get a higher draft pick, which they often don't do. Yeah. Yep. And now we have to root against uh, root for the Seahawks to lose as well. But does it matter who they draft? They're never good. No, and I went a better week. I went two and one last week. We had the family play out on the Colts, so we both got that one right. I went heads up with him on the Falcon Dolphin there. I took Miami getting the points at home. I got that one right. I had a very bad one, though. I had the Bears getting all the points against Tampa Bay. I figured they would get the backdoor cover there, and 
They stink. Enough said. <laughs> yeah, really, really not good. <laughs> yeah. So to reset here on the year, Team Challengers is seven. 13 and one. They're off to a rough start. I 11 and 10. I'm getting back. I barely getting over 500. I've been gotten two and one the last three weeks. So we are on track here. As always, rules of the second here. We're going to go through the picks one at a time. You give me one pick. I'll react. You can do the same for me. So you are the guest. You may go first. Where are you going with pick number one this week? Pick number one. I am going to go very fittingly with the Bengals to cover because there is against the Jets. There is no shot this game is close. The Jets are going to get their doors blown off with a backup quarterback. Even if Zach Wilson was playing, I still would have taken the Bengals. This game isn't going to be close. It's going to be over by halftime. The Jets might score one or two garbage time touchdowns, but they're going to lose by 20, 30, 20, at least 20 points. That's a lock. The Bengals cover. Yeah, I had 11 and a half. And like, don't matter what the number is, I think less than two touchdowns, you take you take the Bengals, run away with it. I think that's a lock on your part. Yep. Where are you going with pick number two? Pick number two, I am going to take the uh, the Cowboys over the Vikings. Because I think the Cowboys' firepower is just way, way, way too much. I think the Cowboys have... Uh, I think that the, the Vikings will try to keep up, but the Cowboys have too much offensive firepower and will take, they'll just get away from them at the end. I don't yeah. think they'll be able to come under a field goal for them. Yeah. So, Cowboys laying two and a half points here. That's one where I feel like me to stay away. I feel like I've seen Dallas lose that game way too many times in the past. So I'm going to stay away. I, fe- I see the logic. But I'm not going to take it. Gotcha, gotcha. Where are you going to pick three? Finally. Buccaneers. I mean, I think that the Bucks just seem absolutely right now unstoppable to the point where I, I don't know anyone's going to slow down Buccaneers at all. So I'm going to take the Bucks to cover against uh, against the Saints, who looked pathetic against absolutely pathetic against the Seahawks. I mean, that was a brutal game to watch. So Tom Brady's going to rip them apart, limb from limb. And there's no way that the, the Saints are going to cover at all. So I'm taking the Bucks, giving the points. Yeah, we're going to make that a family player for pick number one. I'm going to go with you with the Bucks, lay the five points here, because this is a spot. I watched that game on the night. The Saints look awful. And I know they're home. I know they have their revenge game with James playing against Tampa. But what have we seen out of New Orleans? They're going to be in this game. I mean, they are very Jekyll and Hyde. They're good. They're awful. They were awful last week. I'm not counting on the good week this week. I'm going to take go with you there. I'm going to take the Bucks and lay the five. That's so pick number one for me. Yeah, I mean, Kamara literally had had a, one of the best games of the season. And they still only won by, what, what field goal? Like, yeah. it's, it's too much. Like, the Bucks are going to destroy them. All right, pick number two. I'm going to take the Colts again. I'm going to have them laying a point and a half home against the Titans here. And the Colts have been on fire of late. They've won three of four. The fourth game, they should have beaten the Ravens on Monday night. They blew the lead late in that game. They're playing much better against the run. They have held teams of 17 points a game in the last couple of weeks. I think Tennessee is primed to get picked off here. They got two big wins at home against Kansas City and Buffalo. Now they go on the road for Indy. They beat Indy once. And this is why the Colts have to win this game. They don't have a shot at division. I think the Colts will a big effort here. So, Give me Indy with the point and a half. Pick one. 
pick two. Any thoughts on that one? Right. I, I think uh, I was actually looking at that game before and I was going to pick the Titans, but I stayed away from it because it's a, it's a division game. So I don't like division games being close. Anybody could upset anybody. Even though I've leaned towards the Titans, yeah, I kind of, uh, I looked at, I did look at it, but I stayed away from it. So, all right, that's pick number two. Pick number three. I'm going to take the Chargers coming off the bye, laying the six at home against the Patriots. I do not think this New England team is very good. They have three wins this year. Two of them come against our lousy team. One of them came against the Houston Texans. They struggled mightily to win that game. I think Mac Jones being overhyped. I think people forgot how good the Chargers were to have that bad game in Baltimore before the bye. I think it's where they remind everybody, hey, we're really good. They blow the Patriots out of the water here. I think this game is only six. I have less than a touch. I think they'll win by double digits. So give me the Chargers laying six at home last pick of the week. I think that the char- the Chargers are much better than the Patriots. It's just the points that scare me a little. I think the Chargers win. I don't know if they cover, but I do think the Chargers will win. All right, so to reset the picks of the week, Anthony has gone with the Bengals laying 11 and a half at MetLife against the Mike White-led Jets. He's gone with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers laying five against the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. And he's also gone with, I've got to look up your third one again. Who was your third one? The Buccaneers over the Saints. Yeah, middle one I meant, your pick two. Oh, sorry, sorry. The uh, Cowboys over the Vikings. Yeah, Cowboys laying a two and a half there. I have gone with the family play on the Buccaneers laying the five. The Colts laying one and a half points against the Tennessee Titans at home. And I have, last but not least, I have the LA Chargers laying six on on Sunday against the Patriots. Those are your picks for week number eight. Next week on the podcast, I'm bringing in Justin Diaz talking New York Giant football after they play the Chiefs. So that could be a very fun spot to hear, Justin. Yeah, that'll be uh, very interesting. The Chiefs coming off of a horrific loss, yeah. horrid, and playing the Giants. Uh, I wouldn't want to be the Giants on Monday night yeah. at all. Yeah. And speaking of the Giants, I'm going, I also have one more piece of business to do with you here. I do the knockout pick every week. I give everybody the picks. I'm into week eight actually in the knockout pool. So last week, at an easy, I took the Cardinals over the Texans. They won that one running away. This week, I'm going to Monday night. I'm going to take the Chiefs at home against the Giants. That's the lock of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no shot the Chiefs lose that game. Yeah. There's no way. I don't think the Chiefs are going to fall prey to falling behind early this week at all. I think they're going to go for blood. They have they, they don't win this game. Their season's over, so it's a must-win game for the Chiefs. So. Yeah. I mean, the, the Bengals against the Jets is also a very valid option, which I consider taking, but I also look at it here as, like, young team. Maybe I they know. take the Jets lightly. Maybe it's closer than people think. Like, Chiefs at home are never losing that football game. Well, you know, you know, we're also picking NFL games here. The Jets are not, even though you know the Jets are an NFL team, so it's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm going to go with the Chiefs over the Giants. We'll see if I make it past Halloween. I've not done that in a while, so hopefully that the trend can, can get, continues going well for me here. Yeah, I think the Chiefs I think the Chiefs are going to just, yeah, go balls to the wall. <laughs> all right, so that's the knockout pick of the week. Anthony, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Of course, Mike. Thank you. All right, we are back here on the podcast talking the return of Curb Your Enthusiasm today. Joining me on the line to break down the season 12 premiere of Curb Your Enthusiasm, 
Martino Puccio is back with us. Martino, how are you? Good, good. Um, you know, having as uh, good of a Sunday as you can. I feels like every single time I watch Curb now, it's not only just to laugh, it's to get some stress relief from the Jets. Um, honestly, then again, I don't even get that stressed out about the Jets anymore. I just I, I come to expect it. It's just a regular old week, I guess. But I mean, I'm so happy to finally see it back. Um, and the best one of the silver linings in COVID, too, I guess you could say, is how quickly it sneaks up on you with the premiere for it. Um, so I'm so happy it's uh, back and it came out with a bang. Yeah. First of all, in reference to the Jets, I played this early in the podcast, but this is, again, very relevant. They stink. Don't need to say more than that. No, no, I have nothing else to add. <laughs> yeah. And the curb thing, I was very, very pleasantly surprised we got it so quick because now they announced after season 11 wrapped up last year, they picked up for 12. I'm like, oh, you know, COVID, it'll take them a while. But I was, I was expecting 2023 at the early. I was expecting January. So I was surprised you got it this early. Yeah, no, it, it, exactly. Um, then again, I, I guess he just has more time on his hands right now. So it's it was a great surprise uh, to get it out so quickly. Um, and they really didn't even skip a beat, in my opinion. No, and for, before we dive deeper, and you're going to play the good old-fashioned spoiler warning. Okay, if you have not watched the season 12 premiere of Curb Your Enthusiasm, get the hell out of this podcast if you don't want to be spoiled. So go watch the show, then come back and talk to us. And I have to say, I'm glad they did in the post-COVID world, but they had so many callbacks of things. It was so funny. A lot of good moments. I think this was very well done, and they did a good job tying together a lot of different, very different threads in the episode. Yeah, um, just... And right off the start, too, I the best part was the cameos. Yeah. I thought uh, that caught you by surprise because he mentions Lucy Liu in it. Um, and you know what was also interesting, too? That I mean, obviously, well, it's going to be one of the topics. So I don't I don't think I should mention it just yet. Um, so so I'll wait on that. I'll wait on that. Uh, if but, have, yeah. If you have a we, we, we can bounce around curb bounce around. So what do you what were you thinking? OK, OK, OK. Well, I just I found it fascinating that a show um because we see it happen so many times and you know how kind of like shows like kind of bounce around and, and talk about other you know companies or networks but they yeah. don't say their name they went right ahead with like netflix they went right ahead with other like streaming services um amazon prime was referenced by albert brooks too um in, in one of the moments where he's telling leon to watch one of his movies i just i don't know i just found something interesting like that because you know, you see a lot of shows like Silicon Valley. I don't know if you ever watched Silicon Valley. It's another HBO show. They basically make fun of Google and Apple, and yeah. but they never say the names of the of the company. So I just found it interesting. That was that was like one thing, but that's obviously separate from the show itself. Yeah, I think it's actually fun. also funny because HBO has its own streaming service, HBO Max. You would wonder if like for Sanders, they wouldn't want them to go there. But Larry said, no, it's funny with Netflix. I'm sure they said, Larry, whatever you want, we'll do. And Netflix, I'm sure, was thrilled to get themselves like free advertising in that show. Yeah, no, no, exactly. That's that's the best part is that they're just able to push their other stuff and kind of keeping true to what HBO used to be about, which was not giving a shit and just doing and saying whatever they want. And it kind of broke the mold of stuff like they don't care if they had like um, product placement and all that other stuff in, in their shows. Um, so, yeah, um, it, it was just it was it was just awesome. And like literally 
I was kind of timid. I was a little like worried, you know, when a lot of shows in general go deeper into seasons, they kind of run out of ideas, they kind of get stale. But just the sheer instance of uh, Susie plopping down, like that's another example of like a social thing that happens that you think of it and you know about it, but you never kind of like bring it up or reference it. Like he has an endless trick of bags that he could bring up and put into a situational comedy that is curb. And that's another like tiny thing that was funny, but another example of why that show is so great. Yeah, for sure. I want to start at the top of the show here. I mean, we start with Larry Wake in the middle of the night. He, he realizes his house is being robbed. We find out the robber ends up dying because the robber trips, hits their head and drowns in the pool. And then we have the, point of the episode thinks we a big through line for the whole season this whole fact that larry is supposed to have a five foot high fence around his pool of course Santa Monica mm-hmm. reg, 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 uh, regulations did not have as he bought the house and now this burglar's desk end up being what, what sounds like could be the ruination of his netflix show i think that whole tie-in isn't so funny yeah i don't know another another uh this is basically this season smoker joe right um yeah. at, the, at this point it's just you know just an overlying plot uh you already saw it impact at the end of the episode uh as well when he was with albert brooks i i, I think again just so funny how he puts himself into these situational comedy issues where i think it's actually going to kind of work out for Lair because he's just gonna put like it is extortion He's being extorted and, you know, the whole spin and, and this is why I love it too, because I always used to agree with Larry. A lot of people agree with Larry, even the Fatwa situation was a couple seasons ago. And slowly you see a lot of the other characters around Larry admit that they do agree with him, but a lot of people have trouble speaking up immediately about it. You know, when like Jeff is like Susie plopped down. Absolutely. Same thing with Albert. She plopped. I'm on the plop side. Now they're kind of, you know, going to be on the same side of Larry in which it's like, like, yeah, they'll, they'll be against him because they think he's a bad guy, but listen, he's being extorted. The guy who drowned in his house was trying to steal from him. So like, that's another thing too, right? Like, first of all, why is Larry the bad guy in this? Just because he didn't have a regulation. The guy wouldn't have drowned in the first place if he didn't try breaking and entering and trying to rob Larry. Yeah. So there's like so many different ways that you could look at it and spin it that that could be in Larry's favor. But again, it is curb. That's kind of the direction that they always go in. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I always thought about that. I'm like, why is Larry get, let himself get extorted there? Cause they could just say, he's trying to rob my house. Like, why are you going to sue me on this? And then he is sort of caged very quickly and lets uh, Maria Sophia, the, the niece of the burglar audition and basically win the role of his Netflix in his Netflix show of the, I th- what is it? The, his aunt that he was auditioning for. She was, I think she was, she was the, I think she's like the, she's supposed to be like a family member that's helping out the uncle, but trying to like slowly find ways to kill him. I forgot the, if there was the actual name of the show, but basically the premise was, is that she was auditioning, auditioning for one of the main characters of his, of yeah. his Netflix show. Yeah. And the audition is how bad she was. She couldn't pronounce anything. She, all her dialects are off. Like didn't understand the emotions of the character and the gravity of the scene. She was just, it was, it was awkward. She kind of wasn't playing a character. She was kind of playing herself in certain instances of it. So. Yeah. I love the, at the end of that, was like where the episode ends up ending is that, the execs and Netflix are horrified with her audition. Larry's like, great. We found our, our Marsha. <laughs> and, but this is it, but that's why it's, yeah. it's pure Larry yeah. because 
most people would have been like, nah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. Um, I don't want to ruin the show. Like I got to think of others. I got to be considerate. He literally sits there and is like, nah, screw him. Yeah. Like I got to worry about this possible extortion thing. Yeah. I'd rather just get that out of the way. When in reality, the way most, the way the show usually goes is that it all blows up in his face. So. Yeah, I'm curious to see this blows up his face in a, in a good way. Like when, I went, when he was on the producers in season four, when he tries, when you find out that Mel Brooks cast him to tank the show and he ends up, ends up saving it. Or if this is more like the Mocha Joe thing where the spike store blows up in his face. Um, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to say. I think the Netflix show absolutely blows up in his face as far as like extortion, having to pay money and stuff. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. If anything, he'll just pay a fine. I think because like, what are they actually going to do to him? Because like the, the brother is trying to extort him. Yeah. He was also trying to be robbed. The cop gave him an out. Yeah. Like he's, he's clearly got proof and evidence of blackmail leading to the address of the taco spot. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's so many things working in Larry's favor that I don't think it's going to be like that bad. You know? Yeah, I have to think at some point also, my prediction here is that she's so bad, he ends up firing her and ends up trying to take on the blackmail anyway. That's what I think is going to end up happening with that. Yeah, I mean, that could, that can't be wrong, you know, because at the end of the day, you could you could test anything. Kind of perfect example when he saw John Hamm. Yeah, you know, like we tested the Larry David, but it just didn't launch. You yeah. know, like things like that in Hollywood don't launch. There's, there's stuff that happens. Um, and, and the funny thing is that she is so terrible that that show will probably never air just because of how bad she is. Forget about, you know, whatever Larry's situation is. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the other plots of the episode here. I want to go with, to the Albert Brooks stuff because the live funeral thing is so is so stupid, so funny that I love that we, we get the live funeral at the end of the episode that Larry basically just says, takes the opportunity to roast Albert Brooks and just basically says, hey, He's alive in about 15 different ways making fun of him. And it's like, and Albert Brooks out there like, I hate that man. I, still, I was just laughing so hard. <laughs> no, yeah, that that's the best part, though, because they all say they hate Larry, but they can't help being around him or having mm -hmm. him come over. Same thing with like Susie, um, you know, and just like Jeff, Jeff gets him. He's his manager and everything. He loves him. He's totally always on his uh, on his side, but he rarely ever speaks up due to his uh, marriage. Yeah. But Again, I, I I found it hilarious because he knows like this is why Larry is so different from all other celebrities and is that well his character in the show at least uh, is that he knows it's so ridiculous yeah. how self-absolved and conceited could Albert Brooks this this version of Albert Brooks could be is that he wants to sit upstairs in his room while people talk about how glorious his career and what a great person he is. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's such a, that's such a self-indulged thing that, you know, Larry should make fun of it. Larry should be sitting there. And then I, I like the fact that the closet, I guess I'll just jump to it. Like, that exposes someone else. Yeah. And it's not just Larry that gets the bad rap at the end of it. Like Larry comes out looking great from the funeral. Oh, he does. The glass yeah. situation as well with Leon, the hoarding, um, you know, just all of that stuff. Even the jokes were great. So I I, I found it awesome. Um, and it, and it was really funny. And the best part was probably Albert Brooks at the end of it. He's like, eh, we'll try again next year. You know, <laughs> like, he doesn't give a damn. Like, if it, if it didn't work, it didn't work. We'll go back and do it again. That's just like, you know, carefree kind of attitude. Yeah, we we get to the COVID harder stuff. But I do also want to point out that John Hamm's, like, 
has like such deep hearted, like serious uh, funeral, like eulogy style remarks about which are also very funny. Which which kind of plays into the version of John Hamm that we saw last season uh, when he was just trying to be method acting. Yeah. When he goes all in, John Hamm is going to go all in. Yeah. John Hamm has to give a speech at Shiva at a Jewish funeral. Yeah. He's going to go learn Hebrew words yeah. and, and try and understand the context, of it, <laughs> which is just so funny because yeah. like, it's like, no, you don't want to use it. Like, no, don't use that. Use yeah. this word. Yeah. You know, it was just. It, like it was so good, and I'm really happy that they got someone like John Hamm back. Yeah. In it. I gotta say, like that's just it's just awesome. A recurring character that's such an iconic TV actor yeah. of all time. Like it's it's again, that's they hit the nail on the head with it. Yeah, and anyway, this that plot ends where Larry ends up trying to find the bathroom there, and then he stumbles onto a closet Albert has with all of like the Purell toilet paper, like PP you could possibly be looking for in there, and then. Everyone flips out and says, "Like, what the hell is wrong to you, COVID, COVID hoarder?" Which I think we all know the COVID hoarders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was kind of more about the stuff from the beginning of the pandemic when people were panicking, for yeah. lack of a better word, where everyone was going into stores grabbing as many paper towels as possible, like cleaning products, etc. And obviously the Purell that we saw, um, tissues as well. I it, it was really funny that the only that the, the only quarrel I kind of had with that is like, OK, what kind of timeline are we within the pandemic? Because I haven't heard about hoarding stuff in you know, over a year. Yeah. Right. Because that's basically what it what it was at was at the start of last spring. Now it's it's kind of like a side thing. But either way, like if they're able to bring it up and they put it in a good situation, um, I thought it was hilarious for me when I saw it. I wasn't like, oh, my God, like, I'll, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I didn't feel as strongly as they did about it. But the way they pull it off is obviously so funny that you, you laugh either way. I also laughed at Al, at uh, Albert's throwing line that he has flu shots. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Man, that's so good. Yeah, um, and he said he used to be uh, this place used to be a CVS. I moved yeah. in here. Yeah, just taking Larry's line. Like I, I just moved in here. I didn't know about the fence kind of thing, which is just yeah, it's all hilarious. And before we move on from this to- this storyline here, what would you do if somebody approached you and said, "I'm gonna have a live funeral. I want you to be there." Honestly, I would consider. It depends on the person, but I'd consider going. Yeah. Like because it's just like. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, I just have to see it because it's just <laughs> such a ridiculous thing. And because I, because I'm just like, yeah, you know, like, I don't know. I'm supposed to like feel emotional about it. Like, Larry put it in the, in the speech. It's like, yeah, like everyone's going to be so devastated to see you in an hour. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's so, I don't know. I see. I, I, I would probably go to it just because it's like so different. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. It's like for me, I probably go and then see how ridiculous it is and probably like, like mentioned on my podcast i'm like oh this is the stupidest thing i've ever seen <laughs> just go on yeah, about that because, more more publicity yeah because they, if you're having a live funeral you want the attention so i don't think you'll care if i'm dunking on you on my podcast about it yeah no it's i mean listen man like but you're also asking for it when people are there to like show up and and it's just so ridiculous that's such a hollywood like yeah. thing but again yeah we'll go to the other well, the other storylines here the plot the six thousand dollars that larry is owed by Dennis Zybel, who is one of his buddies, and apparently went a golf trip. He owed six thousand dollars six months ago, never got paid. And then they said, "Oh, you can't ask Dennis. Dennis has dementia." So Larry's like, "Great, I gotta go ask him before he forgets again." I thought that was that got me laughing. Uh, that was the that was the by far by far, and I'm not exaggerating this. Probably the funniest line in many <laughs> men. That's probably a top ten line all all time in the show. Yeah, 
Like, no, not even joking. Like, that's hysterical. Yeah, I was dying when he started that situation there. And we find out pretty quick that Dennis is a really, a really, really a douche. He is because you know you know what it is too because first of all he this is a perfect thing that I was referring to earlier with the fatwa stuff and 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 people just kind of like oh you know like how like Larry's wrong when even like us as the viewers like no Larry's right everything he's kind of doing and and saying like where he gets to in the end he's correct but the way he gets there we don't agree with the way yeah. Larry does it right because he puts yeah. himself in that spot the, the like Zybel's like kind of like oh what are you stalking me no no you jerk he just walked out of a store and you so happen to be there so he <laughs> walks down to go say hello to you yeah and 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 that's the thing is like too it's like we're not talking about a hundred dollars here we're not talking yeah. about 50 we're talking about six g six yeah. grand six large yeah. that you owe somebody yeah and, and it turns out like the guy owns the jewelry store at the end where Susie shows up that i'm sure you'll reference yeah. like you don't have six grand like yeah. what then why are you going on a trip like that? You know, like yeah. Jeff paid him, everyone else paid him, except Zybel. Like to me, to me, guys, guys, an ass. Yeah. Like just, just pay your friend. It doesn't matter who it is at that point. Six grand. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, and I love how he's trying to use his dementia as a shield for not getting, not getting away with it, for getting with everything. And like we saw, you mentioned with Susie when one episode where Larry breaks one of Susie's brooches and then she brings it to get fixed because Zybel apparently gave her a lifetime guarantee he tried to like talk to me i was like i remember giving you a guarantee i don't do that and then Susie just grabs him by the th- by the throat basically yeah, says, yeah, yeah says you're gonna fix Ex- this and you're gonna expletives fi- yeah. <laughs> say, you're gonna fix this you're gonna fix this for effing free and i'm gonna be back here on friday friday and then, yeah and then the he- best part is too like even with the payment back with cybell yeah. delivery six months Mike, yeah. six months he waited yeah it's, it's not-, not like he waited two weeks for yeah. six grand okay like dude half a year yeah. What? Yeah. And yeah, Susie, that's that's also just like another layer of what her character is. Is like, even if she does agree with Larry, yeah. which she did, she will go to leap. She will go leaps and bounds just to not be on his side, not yeah. to give him the satisfaction of you're right, Lair. Yeah. Like, that's not like she'll never do it. Yeah. And I have to say, from what we've seen so far, like and going through the history of Curb, I think Dennis Zidel might be one of the 10 worst people on the show in terms of like how much of a douche she is. Aggravating. Yeah. He's, he's, he's up there for sure with the aggravation. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's definitely like other guys that I, that I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but he, he's certainly up there. We're just kind of, even when <laughs> certain scenes with, with funk, with the funk man, like crack me up where he's just being mm-hmm. so ridiculous. Yeah. And, and and childish um was it was a couple of good things but like Susie too um even with Richard Lewis Richard Lewis can be such an ass even though you know he's he's an incredibly shallow person yeah. um so yeah yeah it's almost it's a lot different than like I know Michelle likes to like have people with disabilities or conditions sort of become assholes like I've never seen like mm-hmm. the, remember the blind pianist back in like season one and season four mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. he was not as much of a douche as this guy was no yeah. and and the thing is like the specific keywords that that should be noted are early onset dementia it's not fully bloomed and kicked in and the funny thing is like you notice too it's kind of like a subtle hint on the culture where they're at the golf range and larry rightfully yelling at him for calling him out saying like you never paid me again another thing that frustrates me so much just show the bank statement yeah. no check was cashed 
just yeah. do that. It ends the thing fast, but that's just me being anal about it. But the thing with the societal, you know, background to the culture of, the, of these days is like everyone's backing up and just defending the guy just because he does have dementia. Yeah. They're not like looking at it from an objective perspective where it's, hey, this guy is being an ass who owes six grand and hasn't paid him back over six months, but we're giving him an out. And Larry was saying it perfectly like, oh, like you're going to give this guy a pass. Like, I'm not the bad guy here. Like, just because he has dementia doesn't mean it's OK to steal <laughs> is what he said. It's like, but he's right but yeah. he's so right that's yeah. it. he he is stealing yeah um so yeah yeah he's stealing he figured out he could just hide behind his dimension not have to pay again his claim I, I paid you you don't remember <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that's that's it yeah that's such a great and the funnier part is where where they're kind of messing with larry because he does have good points that he raises where walking into the glass door, yeah, you know what? Like, honestly, I don't think that's an age thing. That's not an old person thing. I've seen plenty of people walk into stuff they shouldn't walk into in life, right? And they're not even close to what Larry's age is. And then also just, you know, like subtly forgetting that he might have or might not have complimented people, like the two guys he didn't compliment. But also at the same time, it's just really about, Larry is a nice and complimentary guy at first, but he's not as he's not that complimentary as he'd like to think, you know, because he, he's like, he definitely has complimented people. Uh, we've seen it. He's been nice. Uh, like even uh, the, the flamboyant kid way back when he was in New York, yeah. when he get, when he, when he, when he gives him the sewing kit, everything, he's, he sews the swastika. It's a class. There's a classic episode of no one's seen that. Uh, no spoiler alert, but, um, but yeah, like stuff like that. And, and he kind of like forgets. He's like, Oh, I thought I did. You know, but yeah. that's like kind of like, is that his age or like, is he just wrong? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I also think they, Larry's age is a big part of that too. They've made fun of Larry being old quite a bit. I mean, we started with, he's dating Lucy Lou, and then they go to this dinner party. We have the, the, the plop, which I think is the big thing that came out of this episode was Larry sitting on the couch with wine. Susie plops on the couch and causes Larry to spill the wine. She says, Larry, you're old and you're weak. You're, you spilled the wine. And he's like, you plopped. Like, and she 100% plopped. Everybody admits it except for Susie. This is so Seinfeld. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Like, totally situational. They come up with their own phrase for it. She plopped, you know? Yeah. Like, she, and, and it's true, though, because there's two there's two things. It's a couple of things, right? Because I, I like I like actually doing this because I, th- I think there's rights and wrongs to this. It's just it's social norms, right? Yeah. You are drinking red wine. No matter where you are, you have to be careful, especially if you are sitting on a couch or any type of furniture. You also have to be mindful and considerate if you are a person that is also not drinking that. You just don't plop down. Like, just sit down normally. What do you like sitting down like that for when you know someone has wine in their hand? And you, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just you being unattentive to the situation, like the person, in this case, Susie. And it's just like, it's not Larry's fault. Like, what more do you want him to do? Do you want him to cup his hand over the top of the glass yeah. while you're about to sit down? Like, yeah. what is Larry supposed to do in that situation? That's what I like to know. And and that and that's why also like Susie, total, total ass for not offering to pay half. Yeah, at least for it. Yeah, because I could see the argument with Larry. Like, you know, I, I am holding the glass. I should, I, I'm gonna have to pay something here, but you should pay something too because your action caused the wine to bounce out of my glass and onto the couch. Yep, and 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 again, that's just like the whole back and forth argument that they had, and then it led into the walking of uh, walking into the glass. Yeah, 
And we and you get that when we get the walking into the glass moment too, where Larry Davis walks into a glass store and they're going outside dinner at Leon's girlfriend's house. And then this point from on, this one on, Lucy loses loses all sexual interest in Larry Davis and just views him as like a meek, a meek old man. That was such a funny through line for the rest of the episode. It, it was because he's like he's like test me, test me. I want to be tested. Like that that too was just so funny when he was just like getting angry about it because he's like. He can't he can't like not that he can't handle it, but like it's probably just like an annoying thing because in between the ears in his his mind, he's he's right. But he is right because he's not old like that. He's nimble. He's moving around enough. And she thought at one moment that he was. And just because he walked into a wall, yeah, maybe like old person thing to an extent. But like, it's funny because it's just like if you're Larry and it's so funny how he has a short term memory in terms of just getting over things. Like he could have been there like, oh, Mary, Mary walked into the to the glass door, too. Yeah. And that was like right after you left the funeral service thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And then that was the great follow too that we have Leon's girlfriend, Mary Ferguson, walk into the glass door. Leon loses all interest in her sexually. <laughs> and then they he decides that because he and Mary were planning to go on a trip in six months instead of trying and the ticket's not refunded. He decided he's going to. But, walk, the, but uh, the key thing is Asia. Yeah. <laughs> To Asia, it's the whole continent, <laughs> not yeah. not a specific country. Yeah, he's like, we're going around that whole bitch. Like, yeah. it's, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. And then we have the brilliant cutting back at fourteen. Larry auditioning the actresses for his mm. for his Netflix show with Leon auditioning new Mary Ferguson. So up, he apparently has like finds like ten different Mary Ferguson in Santa Monica to audition to go with him on the trip to Asia. That was such a funny sequence. Because, again, it's another thing where Leon gets the woman that he wants and Larry's stuck there with a girl that he doesn't want. Yeah. There's like that's like another one of those themes. And that's why, like, they have such a great dynamic. I found like like the interviews that Leon was doing was hilarious. Yes. He was. Um, they, like every single question that he ended up asking them. Um, and then Larry, too, was just like. Oh my God! Like uh, he's actually gonna just go through with this and, and give her give her the 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 uh, the role on the show. I just um yeah, it's just insane. It's so cringe, too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just like oh come on, man, don't I right, just yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Like she's gonna get it. It's just I don't know that, that it's cringe to me in a way. But again, that's the shows like that. Yeah, I mean, Larry's Netflix audition, they they worked out too. Is they put in several actresses who actually were good and giving and doing good mm-hmm. auditions, and they Netflix execs were like, "Oh, you're great! This is awesome." And Larry's like, "Eh." But again, <laughs> yeah, but again, that just shows like the actual business in itself. It's like, yeah, it's another case of who you know, but in this case, it's not one of those good who you know nepotism things. It's extortion. Yeah, but it's you know like so many talented people get passed up because of stuff like that. But that's also what like a great thing about curb is that it actually gives a lot of opportunity, like the show itself, you know, this is just like, if you're a fan of the show, like how many actors and actresses have we seen on the show that we've seen in stuff later on? It's like, Oh, that person's incurred. Like we've seen them before. Right. Like Seinfeld did that as well, where they go find new, like Brian Cranston was in Seinfeld. Um, There were some other people that were in there as well. Like, I, that obviously this is like a sidetrack kind of thing, but it's, I don't know. I just, I noticed stuff like that. Larry, Larry's a genius, you know, like he doesn't, everything is thought out. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like anything that's like, Oh, you know, like we'll do this. It's a situational comedy. It'll be really funny. Half-ass jokes. This is like well thought out with every single thing they do. This is the best comedic sitcom writer to ever live. Like he knows what he's doing here, you know? Yeah. 
I think that's great. And I also am curious, we're going to see uh, the new new Mary Roberts and uh, stick around for more episodes of Leon. I think it'd be fun to have her be a recurring character. You can tell already how much of the same wavelength they're on. Yeah. Um, especially with some of her comments about that. She never dated a clipper, um, <laughs> which like, obviously let Leon's eyes pop, uh, <laughs> pop up and, and glow. Like that was just such a great line where he's like, Oh, Hey now, like, you know, it's like, it's not that serious of a girl, but you know, it's just, I, I, I just, I, I love Leon and just the way he works. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think also I'm looking at the, some of the guest stars that are confirmed for season 11. My mistake, I said 12 on top of the show, it's 11. I he said he might do okay. one more beyond that. But we're racing Albert Brooks. Julie Bowen's going to be on the, on the season. Kaylee Cuoco, Bill Hader. We have Woody Harrelson showing up at some point. Patton Oswalt, Tracy Ullman. Uh, Ted Danson's back at some point. So it's Richard Lewis. And then we have Seth Rogen showing up in a fictional role at some point, too. So that's also be fun. Oh, God. Yeah, well, I mean, we had Nick Kroll in a fictional role uh, last last uh season i believe right he was yes. the, uh he was the host He's a restaurant of the italian restaurant yeah so funny i didn't know all those names until you just mentioned them so that's really cool to like hear and see those was it wasn't i felt like Patton oswald was on the show at one point was he not i think he might have been um, playing yeah i think he might have played himself before so he might be back again himself. like a long time ago not any recently recently i don't know um but then again like i I'm one of those people. I haven't gone back to watch all the curves. Like if someone puts it on, like if I'm in a friend's place and they're playing it, I don't go back and rewatch this. I haven't because I'm just one of those people that's like, I don't want to go back and rewatch a show that's not done. Like the only time I ever did that was Game of Thrones. Um, But yeah, I wait for like a show to finish like that. And again, if LD is going to go with the 12, which would be amazing. I mean, 11 is more than enough at this point, in my opinion. Um, just the fact that he even came back for a couple more is great. Um, I'm looking forward to that for me again, the Ted dance and stuff. I, I, I need more of it. I need more of it. Cause I think Ted is a scum. I think he's a scumbag for what he did. Yeah. I was be, I was be straight up and honest with you. I just don't think you do that. Yeah. And I did check. Pat has not been on curbed yet. So this is a first for him. Okay. Okay. I don't know why I thought he, he might've been on that, but yeah, right, so he's, he's really, really underrated. I think. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see where this Netflix show goes to because I feel like this is a great spot where you can just bring in like random Hollywood people and have them like be characters in the Netflix show. Like that would be that's a that's such a fun thing. Have them play like opposite uh, Mary Sophia, just how awful she is. That's gonna be lead to some awesome like comedy sequences. I mean, we already started off with Albert Brooks's girlfriend yeah. too yeah. Um, in the car. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, she gets her Jews mixed up. Like that's a, like it's just a great line. You know, it's like another good thing too. I gotta say at the end of it. I think that was Larry as the conductor. Yeah. Walking up. Did you think that too? Because it looked like his fatwa hideout getup. Yeah, it did. So I thought it was hilarious when they ended up playing the music at the end and Brooks takes out the massive bottle of Purell and tells Larry to keep that one because it's got <laughs> it's got another because he ran out of the small ones. Yeah. It's just just so funny. Yeah, I, going I did, back to their germaphobe thing. I did enjoy that they had the orchestra actually playing the current music over the credits instead of just dropping the black. I thought that was a fun touch for the start of the season. Because it's just you know it, it's iconic music. Yeah, and honestly, like if you're interested in television, like you know the medium itself, you've seen Curbed. It's a cultural meet. Yeah, the music at the end of it. We've seen it. There was a classic video of Eli. It it, it must have been. 
I forgot what game Eli was watching. And it could have been the Super Bowl in New York or uh, when, when the Broncos got murdered um, or, or it was another time, but like Eli, like the slow close-up zoom in and yeah. then the credits executive producer Larry David and the music play. Like that's, that's everything. Like it, it's the best end music to a show that is, I mean, and like Seinfeld's was great too with the freeze frame and, and, and like, dun, 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 you know, but that's, it's curb. I, I don't know. Like curb curb for me is what they do with the rest of this season. And if they do come out with another one, if, if it does bang on there's, it's really kind of hard to say Mike, that there's been funnier shows than curb. Like, I can count on my hand. I can't even count on my one hand, like how many shows I've seen that are funny. I personally think this Seinfeld had so much more volume and it was a hilarious show and it was groundbreaking for what it did. But I think the funniest episodes of Curbed made me laugh harder than the funniest episodes of Seinfeld. Maybe it was more culturally relevant to me because I wasn't growing up in the nineties like that. We were nineties babies, but like, you know, we couldn't relate as much. So a lot more relatable things in Curb, I think personally that, that age well as opposed to Seinfeld. But uh, again, yeah. Yeah, and there we have it. It's our Curb season premiere coverage. Martino, thanks all the time. Really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I'm going to follow social media keep on some of the stuff you're up to. Yeah, you can just follow me on social media at Martino Puccio. Um, got a new job now, so doing a lot of a lot more soccer content, um, but still doing a lot of sports stuff in general. There's not, again, Mets and Jets just being awful. Um, Celtics, I think, are just first round or second round exit at best. So it's not really anything to boast about. Um, but yeah, if you just want to go follow proper football, it's P at PF one thirty seven PM. I try every single morning to get people to go on there. Cause I had to start the Twitter from ground up, but go and check out all that stuff. The site's very like cultural, um, you know, centric just NFTs like Bitcoin, like all, all that crypto stuff. If, if people are interested in that. And so, it's not as a brash barstool, I guess is the best way to way to put it. Um, but yeah, glad uh, glad we could talk to some about some curb again. These were always a lot of fun, and and today was even great. I got to be honest, that was like I could argue that this episode was maybe better than any of the episodes from last season. It's it's definitely as good as any curbed episode I've seen ever. Yeah, we'll see how the season goes. Maybe we'll pop back on again. Something interesting pops up. We had the emergency Jets episode last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not much left to do with the Jets stuff. It's just, but you know what reminded me of like the Jets episode and 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 Larry actually made like such a good point of it on the show with the, with the football going out of the end zone with the Safarian Jenkins, I believe the yep. touchdown was that they yep. were referencing. Perfect example, once again, that we, we were talking about with Will is like, how is it possible that Jets players and quarterbacks always are getting hit dirty and it's not the same calls all the time? And we were talking about that Matt Ryan reference. And we're talking about Zach throwing and leaving the ball out of his hands and getting hit low. And then the very next play, he gets a PCL injury that's keeping him out for almost a month max. You know, yeah. it's, it's just the same old thing. It's a full jet experience once again this whole season. Um, so, yeah. All right, Martino. Thanks, guy. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right. And that will do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guests. Uh, Anthony Cowley for hopping on here to do the week number eight NFL picks and Martino Puccio for talking about the Curry enthusiasm premiere, which was a lot of fun and definitely made me feel a lot better after the jet debacle on Sunday. Argus stuff like this pie, including my look at the organizational rankings of the New York sports teams in terms of how they're doing as a franchise. Are they on the right path? Are they on the wrong path? 
check that out over at justsendingsoffering.wordpress.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering, your favorite podcast platform. You'll find all episodes there. Feel free to feedback and star rank as well. Help with the podcast even better going forward. So check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versions of, ch- of the chats with Anthony and Martina from this week's podcast are up on the YouTube channel right now. You can check those out there. Also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And that's our second episode of the week. Coming up next, we're going to do our Halloween Pop Culture Party 3. That's coming out on Friday after on Friday afternoon. We're going to have Dune coverage, Squid Game, Midnight Mass, and more. Until you have a better week than Jet fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.